You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win uh, podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ, and we like to release our faith with our words. So say this after me, I always win. I always win win. Let's say it one more time. I always win, and it's good to be in Christ. Listen, I began a podcast series last in our last session, episode one, uh, entitled Your Words, Your World. Your Words, Your World. And we talked about, there were three major areas we talked about. We talked about the creative process and words. And we talked about how God created the world with words, with the spoken word. We talked about Jesus, how he ministered, how he taught, how he uh, cast out spirits, how he healed the sick through spoken words. And then we talked about Adam, how he began to walk in dominion through words. We also talked about man, dominion, and words, how God gave man dominion. And then we talked about your words, your world, how we are as believers to exercise dominion through the words that come out of our mouths that are connected with what God says in the word. Now, today, I want to talk about politics. I want to talk about the response that we should have and um, words, the words that we speak. Uh, The 2020 election day is one week away next Tuesday, one week away, and already 66 million citizens have voted with one week left. Now, I was looking at a report this morning, and that report says that this early voting amounts to nearly a half one half of all votes cast in 2016, 66 million uh, have already voted. Uh, 240 million eligible, there are 240 million eligible voters in America. And so it is expected that this will be a historic uh, turnout voting turnout, and uh, we're encouraging everyone to vote. We're encouraging you to vote. Now, I want to talk about politics. I want to talk about response, and I want to talk about words. I, so that we can get on get on the same page, when I, when I talk about politics, allow me to give you some definition. Uh, and let's answer two questions. What is politics? And why Christians 
should engage in the political process. And remember, we're going to answer questions at the end. You can ask whatever questions you want to ask. I'll try to answer if I can. Uh, and uh, you may want to give some statements. may not be a question. You may want to say something. Uh, I got my uh, pad here, and I'll take any of your, all, any and all of your questions uh, as you send them in. So what is politics? Politics is the way people living in a group make decisions. Politics is the way that people living in a group make decisions. What is politics? Politics is, ab is about who governs and the way people are governed. Politics is about who governs and the way people are governed. And then thirdly, politics is the way government governments make rules and laws. Politics is the way governments make rules and laws. And then finally, and this is very important, politics is about how power and resources are distributed. Politics is about how power and resources are distributed. So let's talk um, now about why Christians should engage in the political process. I know many of you probably have already voted, and that's great. Many of you are waiting. My wife and I, we're going to vote, but we're going to vote the day of the election. Then some of you are trying to decide whether you're going to vote, but I'm encouraging you to vote. Now, let's talk about why Christians should engage in the political process, and then I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about, I'm, I'm going to set it up first with scriptural backgrounds. You know, we believe that the Word of God is the answer, so I have uh, two basic reasons why uh, you should in, engage in the political process. You should vote. But let's look at what the scripture says. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 7, we won't read the text, but I want to give you the scripture so you can go back and look at the text. In Romans 13, verse 1 through 7, we see that government is a God-ordained institution. It is a God-ordained institution for the purpose of, of promoting good, restraining evil, and maintaining order in society. Now, we're talking about why Christians should engage in the political process. Romans 13, 1 through 7, again, we see that government is a God-ordained institution. Man didn't create government. God did. It is a god uh, ordained institution for the purpose, and this is the purpose that God created government. It is a God-ordained institution for the purpose of promoting good. Now keep that in your in your your thinking. Restraining evil and maintaining order in society. That's the God-ordained purpose of government to promote good, 
restrain evil and to maintain order in society. Somebody said, well, I don't want to have anything to do with the government. You need to have something to do with the government because the, God's purpose for government is to promote good, restrain evil, and maintain order in society. Now, I want to give you some scriptures, some, some background text, because this is not a one-issue election. It's not a one-issue uh, election. There are multiple issues uh, in the, the election, multiple issues. And if you are a one-issue voter, then you, 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 you're short-sighted. Now, listen at this. Psalms 89.14, Psalms 89.14 uh, in the New Living Translation, says righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. So now, what we want to accomplish by participating in the, uh, in the political process from a kingdom mindset is we want God's righteousness, that's good morals, morality, good behavior. We want it to be established in our society. And we also want justice. We want fairness to be established in our society. So there's a two-pronged thing. It says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Now, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, in the New Living Translation, Proverbs 31, verse 8 through 9, in the New Living Translation, says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Now, as an educated voter, this should be a part of your motivation for voting. I, I'll quote that again. Proverbs 31, verse 8 through 9, the New Living Translation. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, God says, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. Now, so the Bible in instructs us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Now, remember I said that this is a multi-issue uh, uh, election. There are multiple issues. So those who cannot speak for themselves may be the unborn. Those who cannot speak up for themselves may be immigrants. Those who cannot speak up for themselves may be minorities. Those who cannot speak up for themselves may be the disabled. Those who cannot speak up for themselves may be the poor. Those who cannot speak up for themselves may be the homeless. 
Those who cannot speak up for themselves may be the incarcerated, may be those who are in prison. So when the scripture talks about those who cannot speak up for themselves, there's a wide range of disenfranchised and marginalized people in our country. And the scripture says that we're supposed to speak up for them. Now, when you vote, you're supposed to be voting to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Now, some people think that all poor people are lazy, they are manipulative, and they refuse to apply themselves. And that's a subtle message that's being communicated that if people would just apply themselves and if they wouldn't be lazy and if they wouldn't just depend on the government, that there's some dog whistle politics that comes out of that. You know, the people depending on the government, you know, uh, to, to help them and, and all that. But, but, but listen, the scripture, God's word communicates that people are poor and oppressed also due to unjust structures, unjust systems in government and in the sinful world. There are people that are poor not because they're lazy, not because they are manipulative, not because they are refused to apply themselves. They are victimized by unjust structures, unjust systems in our sinful world. Now, we said that God instituted government, that God, government is a God-ordained institution, but government can be corrupt. Government can have unjust, immoral leaders. So now, Proverbs 28, verse 16. Proverbs 28, verse 16 in the New Living Translation says, a ruler with no understanding will oppress his people, but one who hates corruption will have a long life. I'll tell you, I'll say that again. A ruler, this is Proverbs 28, verse 16, a ruler with no understanding will oppress his people, but one who hates corruption will have a long life. Now, what that scripture communicates to us is that in society, whether it's America, whatever, there can be rulers who oppress their people, but there can also be rulers who hate corruption. And so we're voting because we want our country to be led by people who hate corruption. Uh, Luke 10, 27 in the New Living Translation. Luke 10, 27 in the New Living Translation. It says, you must love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, now, that's the, the great commandment, to love God and to love our neighbor and love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, notice the Bible tells us to love God 
with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength to love God. That's our vertical relationship, to love God, but it also tells us that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So when we approach voting, we should approach voting from the angle that I want to establish God's kingdom in the earth. I want to establish righteousness in the earth. In our society, I want to establish justice, but I want to go in caring about my neighbor. So when you're voting, you're not just voting for yourself and what's good for you, but you are voting for your neighbor as well. Remember when God gave the great commandments there, love God, love your neighbor. In Luke chapter 10, he concluded that by talking about the Good Samaritan. And remember the Good Samaritan was the Samaritan who helped the man who was wounded and he put him on his horse and bound up his wounds, poured in oil, took him to a hotel, paid for, for a stay, and then told the host, when I get back, if you've, pay, you've spent any more, I'll pay you. And Jesus said that man was the good Samaritan. And remember, the Samaritan was of a different race. So Jesus was communicating a lot of things in that a different race. Now, so why should Christians engage in the political process? I give you two basic reasons, two basic reasons you should vote and you should engage in the political process. Number one, because loving God is partnering with him to see that righteousness and justice be established in the earth. You should be voting because loving God is partnering with God to see that righteousness and justice be established in the earth. Now, remember, God said, and we saw this last week in Genesis 1.26, let them have dominion. You said, well, I'm just through with that politics. I'm through with the government. I'm through with voting. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'll just put that in God's hands. No, no, it's not in just God's hands. God put the earth in our hands. He said, let them have dominion. Let them. There are so many things that, ha that uh, have taken place because either people were not allowed to vote or people were uh, negligent in voting. So a lot goes on because of our negligence, and then there's such a thing as voter suppression, and that goes all the way back to uh, post-slavery days. The second reason why you should engage in the political process is because loving our neighbor, loving our neighbor is actively seeking their well-being and that all people be treated fairly. Now I'll say that again. The second reason why Christians should engage in the political process is because loving our neighbor is actively seeking their well-being, our neighbor's well-being, and actively seeking that all people be treated fairly. Now, 
I made some notes here. I put I put some notes here, and and then, um, and remember, you can you can send in any response that you want to give. I made some notes, and I, I want to give you my notes. God cares passionately about His world. He delegated the world to man, but He cares passionately about His world. And he cares passionately about the people that are stamped in his image. See, all people are stamped in God's image. Now, here's, here's a point, though, that, that many people don't understand. Economics and laws are the tools that determine whether or not justice or injustice will rule in society. I'll say that again because that is so important. Economics and laws are the tools that determine whether or not justice or injustice will rule in society. Now, remember when I, I economics and laws, think economic and laws, economic and laws Remember, one of my definitions about uh, politics is politics is how power and resources are distributed. You've got to get involved because politics is about how the resources and how power will be distributed. And we, we live in a country, and we're very fortunate to be in a self-governing country, a democratic society, because in many countries, the citizens of the country do not have the power to make decisions. They are in to totalitarian countries dominated by uh, rulers, you know, despots. They're, these There are people who have no say in it. There's no voting. There's no choice. They are controlled and dominated. And we are fortunate and blessed enough to be in a country where we have some say-so. And it really is about the economics and the laws. It's about how power and how resources are going to be distributed. Now, here's a note because... As you approach your voting, and I know some of you have already voted, but listen at this. The unfortunate reality is that neither candidate or party fully embrace the values of God's kingdom. I'll say that again. The unfortunate reality is that neither candidate or party fully embrace the values of God's kingdom. What I am saying is that no matter how you vote, you are going to support a candidate or a party that does not align with biblical foundations in every possible area. I'll say that again so you can feel free. There is no such thing as a Christian party. There is no Christian party, okay? Now listen at this. No matter how you vote, you are going to support 
a candidate or party that does not align with biblical foundations in every possible area. You see, God is not a Democrat, and God is not a Republican. So you have to approach your voting by being led by the Spirit, you have, to, you have to pray, and you have to investigate, and you have to study party platforms, and then you have to feel that you're being led by the Spirit of God, and you have to vote your conscience and sell it there. But there's no such thing as a Christian party. Be led by the Spirit, vote your conscience, and um, let's do this. Let's not judge. If you happen to find out who someone is voting for, whether it's a your spouse or your children or a relative or a friend or a coworker or whoever it is, if you happen to find out who they're voting for, and you don't agree with the party or the candidate that they vote for, let's do this because we're talking a kingdom mindset. How do we approach the voting and the political process with a kingdom mindset? So let's choose to not judge people based on how they're voting. Let's not call them names. Let's not... Uh, debate their vote. Let's not criticize them on how they vote. The Bible says that a man stands to his own master. To his own master, he will stand or fall. Let's not decide to be God and judge and jury over how somebody else votes. You be led by the Spirit for you. You be led by your conscience. You vote and leave other folk voting to them. It's their business. In other words, it's Nana. You know how we say Nana? It's none of your business how somebody else is voting. Now, it is my opinion, and this is, you can disagree. In fact, you can disagree with anything that I say today uh, because I've learned to relate to people who have different opinions and yet respect them and not disrespect them. So I, you have that right to disagree with anything I say. I believe, this is Mike now, I believe to not vote is to vote. And there have been times in the past when I didn't vote, but when I didn't vote, I was voting. Because to not vote is to vote for the status quo. To not vote is to vote for the status quo. Whether you vote or don't vote, you're voting. To not vote is to vote for the status quo. Now, let's talk. I, I'm, I'm a part <coughs> of a group of leaders, a uh, diverse group of leaders and pastors. Uh, some are pastors, some are just leaders. And it's a wonderful group. <laughs> I'm so glad that I was uh, allowed to be a part of it. 
Uh, oneness, uh, one Birmingham. Uh, it's about racial reconciliation, and um, it's, it's just really a, a beautiful thing to be connected <coughs> with people, <coughs> different ages, different races, <coughs> different backgrounds, and, and I'm just <coughs> honored to be a part of it. <coughs> but I want to talk about response. <coughs> the last two areas I want to talk about response. And I want to talk about our words. This, this, this series is about our words. So I want to talk about <coughs> I want to talk about our, our response. Uh, someone some, at some point after election day, next Tuesday, we don't know. It is anticipated that there, it is anticipated that uh, there will be a historic turnout. Okay. What that means is that election night, you probably, it would be great if you did, but probably will not know who the president is. But at some point, whether it be the next day or the next week or the next month or whenever, at some point, someone is going to win and someone is going to lose. We are in a, his, it, not only is it a historic election and what I believe will be in terms of the turnout, but I'm convinced that there is something different about this election. I know we said that about every election, but the tension is very high. Uh, elections are by nature polarizing because you're going to be voting somewhere, Republican, Democrat, Independent. So by nature, uh, voting and elections are polarizing. But this election is highly polarized and deeply contentious. It is, uh, it is very, very different. And I want to talk about how we should respond whether our candidate win or whether our candidate lose. I want to talk about how we should respond as Christians. Now, response matters, and I, I'm going to give you two or three major reasons why how we respond, and I'm not talking now about to the results. How we respond to the results, how we respond if President Trump is reelected, how are we going to respond? If former Vice President Joe Biden is elected, how are we going to respond? How we respond as believers, whether it's at home, at school, at work, in our business environments, uh, on social media, how we respond matters. Now, 
I believe that response matters, uh, number one, because of the possibility and threat of a race war. It is a very real threat and a very real possibility. Now, I said this last night in one of our sessions. I don't want to sound like an alarmist, and I'm, I'm not one of those kind of persons that just throw stuff out, you know, just trying to be whatever. Usually, if I say something, it's because I either believe it, and when I say something like this, it's usually because I believe that I've heard something from God. So on August the 25th, this year, 2020, August 25th, at 5.10 a.m., because I keep a journal, as many of you know, and whenever God says something to me, I'll wake up and I'll write it down, and I heard these words, race war. So since that time, I've made it a part of my prayer time. I want to encourage you, if you're listening and a believer, to make it a part of your prayer time because usually when God says, give me a word, it's usually to prepare for the inevitable or to pray to abort something. Now, sometimes God gives us a word that's inevitable. And so... Uh, he wants us to prepare for it. You know, I, God spoke to me years ago. He said, economic upheaval is coming. Well, I didn't understand it, but that was a prepare for this. Prepare for this. It's going to happen, but prepare for this. More often than not, though, when God gives me words, it is to begin to pray and intercede to abort something that Satan is trying to cause to happen. And I, I believe that it's possible to abort this if we spend the quality time in prayer understanding that there are segments in our society, there are groups of people, militant groups, that want nothing more than an opportunity to initiate a race war. And unfortunately, some of the dog whistle politics that's taking place may be unintended or intended, may be a signal to them. But there are, and you can do your research, there are militant groups preparing, gathering arms, uh, training sessions, camps, that are geared toward a race war. Now, beyond that, the Bible says we fight not with flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this spiritual, a spiritual weakness in heavenly places. So what I began to do, I began to take authority over 
these groups. I start taking authority in the name of Jesus over racism and hatred and race war. I bind it. I speak the blood over it. I command Satan's uh, tactics to stop. He will not do it. I'm speaking to the devil. I'm speaking to those race spirits, racism spirits, and I would encourage you uh, to do the same. How However, there's another reason why response matters. Our response identifies us to the world and distinguishes us from the world. How we respond identifies us to the world and distinguishes us from the world. In John 17, 16, the authorized King James Version says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So if we are not kingdom people, citizens, Christians, believers, those that are born again, if we're not of the world, then we should respond differently. Whether President Trump wins or Joe Biden wins, we should respond differently. In John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. By this, loving one another, shall all men know that you're my disciples. So it, it, it is how we respond, a response in love that identifies us as born-again believers and distinguishes us from the world because the world operates out of anger and judgmentalism. So when we respond out of love practically, that means we're to show kindness, and I want you to make a note of this, we're to show kindness to those who hold a radically different worldview. There will be Christians who hold a radically different worldview, and they may not be they may not be far off somewhere. They may be in your family, and they hold a radically different worldview than you. They may be on your job. They are Christians. Let's not call them. Let's not say they're not Christians. Let's not evaluate them based on what they, who they choose. Let's, let's not call people names. Listen, we're to show kindness to people who hold a radically different worldview than us. That's what love does. Jesus said we're to love that we're to love even as he loved us. Listen, we had a different worldview in Jesus than the Father had. We had different behavior. We were not right. We were outside of his order. And he loved us in spite of it. So there're going to be people that do not Believe the way you believe, maybe in your family, maybe in your church. Let's not call them they're non-Christians or they're heathens or they did. Let's stop judging people and show kindness to those who hold a radically different worldview. We're to, well, listen, we're to unconditionally love and accept people for who they are.
We're to love them unconditionally and accept people for who they are, and that's how he did us. He loved us unconditionally. Even when we weren't walking right, we weren't talking right, we weren't acting right, we were outside of Scripture, but he loved us unconditionally for who we were. You love people, and you can do it without approving their choices. You can love them even if you believe their choices are outside of God's will as you understand it. You can still love people and show kindness. That's how we should respond. We shouldn't get on social media and call people names and criticize people and talking down other Christians. I can't believe you voted this way. I can't believe you voted for him. I can't believe you voted for him. You should not do that because you are a believer. And Jesus says, this is how they're going to know you by you loving the way I loved you. Now, Jesus also told us, how do I love people who's on the other team? They're in opposition to me. They're trying, to, they're trying to win. I'm on one team, they're on another team. Matthew 5, 44 through 45, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, Pray for them that despitefully use you. Pray, do good. He said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. So you're to love, you're to bless, you're to do good, and you're to pray for those that's on the other team. Now, that's how we are supposed to respond. Romans 12, 21 says that we're to overcome evil, overcome corruption with good. We shouldn't be fussing with folk and fighting folk. You're not supposed to be in no line fighting folk. You're not supposed to be getting angry because they got a sign saying this, a sign saying that. We're not supposed to get into those pushing and shoving and hating and all that. We're not supposed to respond that way. Now, what if our candidate lose? Uh, listen, what if our candidate lose? Because somebody's going to lose. So how should we respond if our candidate lose? Boy, you're doing good. You're sending me. I got a bunch of questions coming in here. I'm looking forward to it, too. What should we do if our candidate lose? Here's some instructions. You should mourn, manage, and pray. Say that. Mourn, manage, and pray. Man, my candidate didn't win. Dog, I got to go through this with this person or whatever, that person. My goodness. No, you should mourn your disappointment because your disappointment, there's nothing wrong with you being disappointed. Take time to mourn. Cry if you want to get cry. Talk to God, whatever you want to do in private. You're going to mourn. Take time to mourn because you really, you really wanted this to turn out this way. It didn't turn out that way. So take time to mourn. Uh, and try to do it in private. Try not, you know, don't don't cut up on everybody else. You know what I mean. Uh, manage second. You've got to manage your disappointment. 
You manage your disappointment by God in your mouth and God in your heart. Okay? Your person didn't win, so you can't be talking a lot of negative stuff about the new per the person who won and talking all that. Don't let negative, evil speaking, corrupt communication guard your heart, guard your mouth, and guard your heart. Don't let yourself become bitter and resentful and cynical. Oh, it's, it's all this. It's all this. No, no, no. Don't even go there. Don't go there. You're going to mourn. You're gonna you're gonna manage your mouth and manage your and, and you're gonna do it on social media too, okay? You're not gonna go on social media. You say, well, I ain't use my mouth. I, I just click. Listen, no, you ain't gonna be clicking. No evil speaking. No evil speaking. No talking down, no nothing. You ain't going to even get involved because there's going to be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of that. But you're not going to participate because you have a kingdom mindset, okay? Then you're going to pray for the person who won because the scripture tells us to do that in Timothy. Pray for those in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. Well, I want to pray for him. I want to pray for him. Yeah, you're going to pray if you have a kingdom mindset. So what if my candidate... <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you don't need to give me no instructions about that because, man, I got it. You know, I won. Okay. Well, nothing wrong with celebrating, but I think even if you win, you shouldn't gloat. You shouldn't have a smug, uh, uh, arrogant, uh, put-down mentality. Don't go on, 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 on social media and tell everybody off. I told y'all this. You should have listened to me and all this. Don't, don't, you're not going to do that. You're not going to gloat. And the reason why you're not going to gloat, because you're going to respond out of Scripture. The Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. So you can get with some people who rejoicing. And you people who voted the way you voted and y'all won, y'all can get together. Y'all can, you can have a party if you want to have a party, okay? You can have a party if you want to have a party. But you're going to also weep with those who weep. You're going to understand that this is a disappointment for some people. So when you know that people have been disappointed, you're not going to be talking a lot about it. And you're not going to be bragging about it. You're going to be, you're going to empathize with them. It's a loss for them. It's a disappointment for them. That's how we're going to respond. And if you won, your candidate won, guard yourself from what I call an unrealistic messianic expectation, unrealistic messianic expectation. Your candidate is not Jesus. He won, but he's not Jesus. He's not the Messiah. And so don't have an unrealistic mindset because really from us, our viewpoint, now this, get this, get this, and then I'm going to shoot over to words and then I got to answer your question. Get this, from the kingdom mindset, we believe and we know that no party, no candidate, no political process is the source of our hope and our victory. We know that. Our party won, but it's not the source. Our party lost, but it's not the source. Our candidate won, but he's not the source. Our candidate lost, but he's not the source. We realize that no party, no candidate, no political process is the source of our hope. Jesus said this. He said this in 
Uh, he said this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. See, we have peace in Jesus. We don't have peace in a candidate. We don't have peace in a party. Peace. We have wholeness. We have fulfillment. We have victory. We have provision. We, we have protection. We have safety. In Jesus, he said, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So no matter what happens in the weeks to come, you win. Your candidate, Jesus, won 2,000 years ago. Your party, the kingdom of God, won 2,000 years ago. And regardless to who sits on the throne or the presidency, you win because that person and that party is not your source. Now, I want to I conclude by talking about words, and I've already talked about words, but James 3, 5 through 6, James 3, 5 through 6. You're doing good on your questions. You're doing good on your questions. James 3, 5 through 6 says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great matters or things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So the tongue is among our members. It defileth the whole body. And set on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. It is set on fire of hell. Now, over 46,000 wildfires have taken place in 2020. These wildfires, wildfires have burned over 8 million acres. 8 million acres and at a cost of between 130 to 150 billion, 130 billion and 150 billion dollars. And sometimes these fires can be started by one match, can be started by one spark of lightning, and it can set a whole forest on fire. If you watch the news, they're going to mention it today. There are fires burning in California, Oregon, and Colorado, different places. There are fires burning right now, and it was caused by a spark, just a spark. Well, riots can start by a spark. A race war can start by a spark. The Bible says that it's set on fire of hell. Satan wants kindling. He wants some killing to start his fire. That's why it's unfortunate that our president is talking about uh, fraud and, and all that because I'm concerned that it may be the kindling for uh, people to get all angry and upset. So don't participate. Guard your mouth, guard your words through this whole process. Pray the next week. After the process, don't throw out a lot of negative stuff. Don't talk a lot of negative, don't talk with negative words because Satan wants kindling. He wants to raise war and he wants uh, turmoil. He wants to divide our country. He just wants some kindling. So don't give him the kindling. Now, I'm going to stop because I, I, got, I got some questions and I got to get to these questions. Comment. 
number one, thank, pa thanks, Pastor. I told a friend, minister, minister should talk about this voting situation. Thank you for not being a coward. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for that comment. And I hope I wasn't a coward. Comment. In today's climate, it's hard to tell uh, if it's a God-ordained institution. Well, well, yeah. And, and something that uh, Pastor Thomas Wilder said in a, a meeting, a uh, platform that I was in last night, and he, he, it was very powerful what he said. He was talking about sometimes people say that they don't want to participate because of the, and I'm paraphrasing, the corruption, and this ain't right, and that ain't right, and that's right. But he says all through history, there were unjust, immoral uh, governments. And people still participated in it, even though it was immoral. Joseph was in a heathen country, and God elevated him. Daniel was in a, a heathen, idol-worshiping environment. But yet they participated. They got involved. So the unfortunate thing about politics is that politics is not perfect. The political process is not perfect and will never be perfect as long as humans are involved in it because of the curse. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't participate in it. Uh, Nero uh, was uh, in rulership when Paul was, and then Paul was talking about, Paul gave the book of Romans 13, where it talks about submitting to authorities. And I, I think Nero, who was a crazy demonized maniac, was in authority. But yet Paul knew that government was a God-ordained institution. It could be corrupt. There can be some negatives in it. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't participate because think about it. If things have to be perfect for us to participate, we can participate in family because family is not perfect. We can participate in church because church is not perfect. You can participate with your employer, employment, because it's not perfect. There are no perfect institutions, but that's a good observation. Question, once we have voted, is there anything we can do besides pray for the right outcome? I think, I think, it is the best thing you can do is pray. And uh, when we say the right outcome, we're talking about the right outcome from God's perspective. Uh, and I think prayer is critical. If you pray in tongues, spend some time every day, the rest of this week, Sometimes it can be 10 minutes, five minutes. If you don't pray in tongues, pray with your understanding. But pray about the election and, and say, bind Satan. So say you're not going to start a race war in our country. Say not bind your spirits behind this, this, this attempt. Bind the devil. Bind confusion and bind all this stuff. You should be praying. Let's not wait till we get there and then start praying. That's a good question. Question, do you think it is racism that has influenced well-known white evangelicals to support and convince others to vote for a person that is a proven, validated, pathological liar? Could they be in error even though they think they think they think they're hearing from God? Well, here again, 
I don't want to, I don't want to get into that because that's what I'm trying to get. Here's what I'm trying to get us from doing. We've conclude, we can conclude that every white evangelicals and what you're saying is voting for Donald Trump is a pat we, we're saying you're asking if that person a racist. I don't think that every person that votes for Donald Trump is a racist. I don't I don't I don't believe that. But I don't want us to get into others and and judging other people. That's what I'm trying to get us out of doing. When I was talking on muted voice, I was challenging us to speak out against it. I wasn't, I wasn't saying all Republicans are racist and all Democrats are heathens. I, I wasn't even dealing with that. I was challenging the church to speak out. So is is this kind of that's your belief that he's a a pathological liar, but that's your that's your belief. And if that's what you believe, it's nothing wrong with you believing that. But let's not try to pull other folk in and judge other people by our conviction. That's what I'm trying to keep us uh, from doing. Uh, so I, I think it's remiss of us to judge whether people are in error because they're voting for a certain person because who you vote for, a person can judge you by that. They can say, well, what about this? And what about this going on in this party? And so that's why we have to be very careful uh, because like I said, no party, if you look at the party platforms, no party fully embrace Christian values. So you're going to be voting one way or the other but it's not going to be fully Christian, okay? Uh, next question. Uh, which candidate is less godly? I don't know. I don't know. There's no way that I can answer that question because I can't see people's hearts, you know? Uh, I don't... We, we know very little about uh, President Joe Biden as a president, we know he's a vice president, but you don't always get to know your vice president. You don't, the vice president is a, an assistant and you can know some things, but there's no way I can say who's, who is less godly. Only God can, only God can say uh, that. Do you agree with some of the major evangelical leaders who use their platform to put pressure on their connections to vote for a certain candidate? Well, I, I think my personal opinion is to, the Bible says in Romans, it says, to the man's own master, he stands or falls. Okay, I know what I would do. I know what I would do as a minister. And I think people who have followed me know what I would do. Uh, but to say, um, here again, I get over into a judgment, I don't know what God told that person. I don't know whether God told them to use their TV broadcast to do it. I don't know. 
I don't know whether God told him to do it. And I think it, it would be wrong for me to publicly say that it was wrong because I don't know what God said to him. Um, we stand in agreement with you, Pastor Mike. We believe God is able to do exceedingly abundantly despite what man is planning. Amen. Thank you for agreeing. And let's, let's agree all the way through this thing. I have been praying and come against race, uh, race war. Thank God for giving us the heads up through you. Okay, good. I, you see, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's inevitable, but I do believe God spoke that to me. I believe with all my heart that God spoke that to me, and it's not if not uh, outlandish considering the climate that we're in, the contentious nature of what we're dealing with. This election is very contentious. Uh, it has a lot of racism and race issues tied up in it, and so it's polarized the church and polarized uh, ethnic groups and, and polarized. A lot of different individuals are polarized. Well, I mean, we divide it all up, uh, all kinds of ways you can think about it. We divide it all up. And when you have, the scripture says that the wisdom that is from Below is sensual and devilish. That's open James chapter 3. And where there is confusion, the Bible says there's every evil work. We're in a very unstable time. Satan loves confusion. It's very confusing in our political arena. Very confusing. Everything is politicized. Uh, uh, it, it, you get so many different views and points of views and, you know, and so it's, it's, it's an environment that, that is ripe for a race war. It is ripe. But I think that we can avert it. I think we have authority in the name of Jesus. I think that we can take authority over it. Um, and I, I'm glad you were picking that up as well. Um, I've been praying in the spirit just out of the blue so often lately. It's something, it's something up, Pastor, okay? I've been praying in the spirit just out of the blue so often lately. It's something up, Pastor. Well, I agree with you, and that's the beauty of being able to pray in the spirit. And for those of you who don't know what praying in the spirit is, it's praying in tongues. God gave gives believers the capacity to pray in a supernatural language beyond their intellect. And so often uh, when we pray that way, we can pick up, if you allow me to say it that way, we can pick up things that we couldn't pick up in our natural. And I'll be honest with you, in my prayer time, in my prayer time, I, I, I feel a strong unction when I pray about racism and I pray about what's going on now. It's a strong, so I agree with you. I'm in total agreement. There's something up, and I, I think we should be sober and be vigilant. Um, uh, if they would only teach this very same thing in the in the white churches, it could possibly make a difference. Well, see again, uh, see again. We we let's try to handle us. 
I think we need to try to handle us because, to be perfectly honest with you, we got some problems in the black church. Uh, we got some issues in the in the black church. Um, uh, thank you so much, Pastor Mike. This was so needed. We appreciate your wisdom and teaching. Um, uh, personally, whatever the outcome, I must remind myself that the outcome is in accordance to God's will. Whatever comes, God is still in control and his will must be done. I want you to listen to this, my message Sunday on uh, the issue of God being in control. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so Sunday, please listen to my uh, uh, online Sunday morning. I'm going to talk about that. Well, not this Sunday. The series that I'm teaching, I'm uh, prepping for this day, so it'll maybe be a few weeks, but I'm going to be talking about that. Uh, are we headed toward a third world war? I don't know if it's a third world war. God didn't say anything to me about a third world war. I try to stay with what he said. Uh, we got some issues in America that other countries don't have issues in. All countries don't have the same issues. So I didn't hear anything about a third world war. I don't even believe God was talking about a third world war. Uh, anything to say, young people, in regard to voting? Uh, I just think young people should vote. Um, I think the earlier you begin in the process, the better. And I think that's it. Good questions. You did good. We went over an hour today. Good. I appreciate y'all hanging in there with us. Love you.